This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello and welcome to Spotlight. We have a wonderful guest today, Stephen Brady. Um, he comes to us from uh, down south, Carpentersville, Illinois, when he's here with his wife, Joe, And we've just spent a delightful hour or two in the studio talking about his mission, which you will hear about. Um, Stephen is um, a father of seven children and 13 a grandfather of 13 married 40 years to Joe um, he was in the construction business uh, residential and commercial and now his wife owns Leo's Pizza in Petersburg Illinois family pizza um, uh, Stephen uh, began fighting sex education in the public schools after he learned about one of the bishops, his name was Ryan, in the 1990s, soliciting sex from a priest and engaging in sex with teenage boys, he picked up on the street. At that time, um, Stephen felt called to form a, an organization called Roman Catholic Faithful, which was incorporated in 1996. He operated all across the country as well, and he helped out in South Africa, Australia, England, and Ireland, and several other countries. Um, it was, Stephen, in Stephen's words, it was shocking and very disturbing, to say the least, to see some of the sa situations uh, that were it, it ongoing within the Catholic Church regarding corruption within the hierarchy and homosexual activity. Um, Stephen, after the 2002 um, Bishop's Conference uh, was in order and things seemed to be getting better. In 2009, he ended Roman Catholic faithful, thinking that all was well and the bishops were serious about cleaning house. But with the release of the grand jury report recently and the incident regarding uh, Cardinal McCarrick's uh, in, in state of affairs, he felt uh, that they hadn't cleaned up anything, and it was time for Roman Catholic faithful to clean house once again. So Stephen Brady is the president of Roman Catholic Faithful Incorporated. He is a not-for-profit registered in the state of Illinois and is soon going to receive his 501c3. So Stephen, we are so happy to have you on Spotlight. We welcome you to the show and your wife, Joe, and um, we want to get started with um, asking you questions, but for, for the moment, just welcome. <laughs> thank you very much for that. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. I can't thank you folks enough for what you do and for allowing my wife and I to come up and be part of this. Um, you've come a long way, too. It was a long drive, I understand. But you know what? We need you here because you're doing something really important today. You're going to help us see, discern where to go from here and how we can, the laity can help and what what stands we can make, well, how we can react to the problems, when, especially as they're not being addressed by the hierarchy in many cases. So tell us briefly, why did you start Roman Catholic Faithful? What prompted it? Although I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but you can go into more detail. After the uh, grand jury report from Pennsylvania, that was so detailed and it was so horrific when you read about some of the situations, the number of abuse and such going on. And then to top that off with the Cardinal McCarrick situation, you realized that much of this was being hidden and protected by the hierarchy. And we had many calls from the faithful, from all walks of life, begging us, if not 
just asking us to get back in the game and start the fight again because they felt we were needed. I spoke with our attorney, our webmaster, and uh, they all agreed that, yes, we'll, let's, we, we felt we needed to get back in the fight. It was a calling. And uh, so we started up. In fact, when I was at the Secretary of State's office in Springfield actually registering the corporation again, I was on the phone from a priest from Springfield who was providing me with information. He uh, felt he didn't, he said he didn't know about our organization in the past too much other than what he read, but with situation going on, he wanted to help and provide us with some information. And I felt it's sort of a sign, if you will, that uh, we were doing the right thing by registering and reincorporating and starting Roman Catholic faithful all over again. Right. I should interrupt for a minute and tell you that we have in the studio Rosemary Simon, who's from Libertyville here, and Deacon Frank DeFrank, and Annie Oakley, who is here too, and, and uh, Stephen's wife, Joe, and Virginia. So we have a good studio audience, so they might chime in at any point, Stephen, if that's okay. That's quite all right. Okay. So um, let's see. So you, so let's go deeper into the weeds, as it were. Uh, the, prob- the real problem we're dealing with here, is it pedophilia or is it homosexuality? Or would you say what you're, how you see it? Well, the John Jay study released and sanctioned by the bishops made it very clear that almost 90% of the abuse was not pedophilia. It was actually involved teenage boys, and there's a whole other name for that. I believe it's pedestry, if I'm pronouncing that properly. It was uh, teenage boys past the age of puberty that were actually being sexually propositioned or abused by homosexual clergy. So 90% of the problem, 90% of the financial cost, 90% of the damage done to the church itself came about because of active homosexuals within the priesthood. I just, uh, just a thought just popped into my mind. I was talking about the abuse crisis in the church, and one person I was talking to said it would all be solved if priests could get married. Well, that's, that's a misnomer. I mean, that, that's in a sense, if I, well, the clergy I've spoken to who've given their life over to God and the church, they, they, they say that's not true, it's not a problem. The celibacy is not an issue with them. They're called to serve God, and uh, it's just they, they themselves feel so depressed, feel so depressed because of the current situation. Actually, it sort of hangs a cloud over all the good clergy, but priests being allowed to marry would just multiply the problems. When you look at the, as one priest told me, I'm, I'm using an example from some of the good holy priests I've spoken with. He said, look at the divorce rate among Catholics. Look at the children out of wedlock. Look at all these other problems. He said, can you imagine the problem we would have if a priest with six children got a divorce? <laughs> that's kind of true. And the prob- that, that's sort of a trivial side of it, but he, he made a point that if you bring all that circumstance into the priesthood, my goodness, he said, it'll never end. True. And you'll be as bad as society is now. Of course, there is a major problem within the church right now. And so would you you want to go deeper into that, explain what the real deeper problem is? Well, it's I've worked with the IRS on several occasions regarding clergy, homosexual clergy, who were stealing church funds to enhance their gay lifestyle, if you will, gay cruises and that sort of thing. And it was mind-boggling. The, the two parishes I helped them with, and I just helped them because there was no other avenue recourse to get anything taken care of, there was almost a million dollars taken just in these two parishes. If you multiply that by the number of parishes 
in the country. I mean, you're talking millions, if not a billion dollars, that are being thrown away, stolen, misused for evil purposes of the prisoner's money. And there's no accountability within the church as it stands right now. So the situation is, I'm not saying there's not some heterosexual priests that are doing similar things, Mm -hmm. that are taking money. But the problem right now, based on everything that's coming out, seems to be overwhelmingly homosexual in nature. And from all our investigations we've done, it's become clear that these individuals are being protected. And I'll give you one example, just here within the local Chicago Archdiocese, the priest, Father Kelchick, that was removed because his parishioners destroyed a gay flag, a homosexual banner. Now, he was removed without any benefit of canon law. He was taken out the next day. Actually, he found it in the church, thought he was doing the right thing, the orthodox thing, and he was punished severely. But on the other hand, you've got a priest within the archdiocese that claims to be a masseuse, a a homosexual who gives massages. And he's allowed to promote his lifestyle and his activities without any repercussions. That's the irony. That's the problem that exists today within the Chicago Archdiocese and across the country, basically. Some places it's much worse than others. I pick Chicago because Malachi Martin once told me that most of the money that comes out of the country to the Vatican comes through Chicago. And you had the big bank scandal many years ago of the priest that was from Chicago. His last name started with an M. I don't remember it Marciniak. now. Marciniak. Okay, you know better than I Who do. Who was it, Frank? Marciniak. And it was a Vatican bank scandal that originated around this priest, I think, who later moved to Arizona. I'm not sure if he's alive yet. But money and homosexual activity, it seems to go hand in hand. And if there's no accountability in in either sense, I think that that's to put us in the grave condition we're in today within the church. Absolutely. Frank, did you have a question? When I think about the visibility that the sex abuse scandal is in the church all of our attention as given especially by the media and by the the episcopacy is that it's an abuse of minors and you see the secular media goes down that path as well as any legal action being taken goes down that path then that clouds the real issue which is homosexuality, active homosexuality lifestyle in the priesthood, which the secular media has no concern or care about, and bishops seem to close their eyes to or cover up. Well, it's, it's, How do we open that up? Well, it's not politically correct. I recently mentioned, recently mentioned to some individuals in Lisa Madigan's office, the Attorney General's office, I said, I've got some information you folks can use, but I realize it's not too politically correct to disparage a homosexual in this day and age. And that's the unfortunate part. But what we as Catholics have to look at, it's not an act of charity to allow one's neighbor to run headlong into hell, quoting a Benedictine. I said, the homosexual lifestyle puts you on a path that leads straight to hell. I'm not saying every homosexual is going to hell. That's in God's hand. But the activity, the mortal sin, puts you on a path that leads to that place. And until we have to address that issue, and quite honestly, the, the country is in this condition where it's not politically correct to disparage the homosexual because of the bishop's lack of action. We wouldn't have abortion today if the bishops had done their job. Look at all the Catholic politicians 
that are promoting abortion. Some bishops say they won't give them communion. Why haven't they been excommunicated, in my sense? We've got a state senator. I won't mention his name here today, but he's very pro-abortion mm-hmm. and swears by protecting the abortion rights, yet claims to be a Catholic. Are the sacraments denied to him and his family? That's a question I have. The bishops need to stand up and send a powerful message. And that's just like with the issue of homosexuality. It's not politically correct to disparage it, only because the bishops haven't done their job. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the late 1960s, until that point, there was a decency code controlled by the bishops that controlled what kind of content went into some of your movies and your television programs. That was done away with. Mm -hmm. And look what we've got today. Look what our children are subjected to. And uh, it's the same thing with birth control. You've got so many priests and bishops Leave, well, they say leave it up to the conscience, but they don't say the possible, the properly formed conscience based on the church's teaching. And when, in fact, every form of birth control today, every pill, at one point or another, sometimes causes an abortion. abortion. It doesn't necessarily just block the fertilization. It causes the abortion. Mm-hmm. And like one doctor from the Catholic Medical Association told me, he said, ask any by a biologist, any technician, any scientist, when does life begin? It begins at the beginning. I mean, that's clear. And uh, so until the bishops start standing up, but from our perspective, we have to expose it and we have to fight it. It's got to be the laity because clearly the bishops are banding together. You can't get them to stand up against one another. There are some good bishops that are speaking out, but they're not telling us where the skeletons are buried. They're not telling us why all the secrets, why stuff isn't coming out publicly. And in a sense, they're protecting those that are doing evil by enabling this to go on. It's perhaps going to have to be the civil authorities that root all that stuff out. Well, the Department of Justice is talking about a, a RICO law, a RICO lawsuit coming against the bishops because of all the money that's being used and misused the same way they can use it with organized crime. And in a sense, I, I, told, I recently did a television interview where he asked the producer asked me if I thought the church structure needed to be changed completely. We were talking about this possible RICO lawsuit by the Department of Justice. I said, if every bishop was a man of God Mm. who feared God and believed in the teaching, everything is fine the way it is. Mm. But I said, it's not that way. It's corrupt. Money's being stolen by the millions. So bring on the RICO lawsuit because right now the attorneys and the press are our friends. Because if it wasn't for the attorneys, if it wasn't for the press, we would not have a fighting chance to go up against the bishops because so many Catholics today lay down and roll over, if you will. If a sure. bishop or the pope says anything, tells them to be quiet, they be quiet. Right. And they believe anything they're told when, in fact, it's a clear contradiction. And I tell folks, they'll come up to me with this stuff about, well, he without sin cast the first stone. I said, first of all, I'll share some wisdom I got from a priest. That's talking about murder, murdering that woman who asked forgiveness from God. We're not doing that. We're judging their actions. Everybody judges actions about people. We're not judging their soul or their motive. We can't. That's God's job. But we judge the actions of a spouse before we marry them. Mm -hmm. We judge the actions of a teacher before we let them teach our kids. We darn sure judge the actions of a babysitter before we hire them to watch our children. So Catholics have to get up, get the courage to stand up, 
make those judgments on people's actions like these Catholic politicians that promote murder. We've got to stop calling it abortion. It's murder. Mm-hmm. And we've, the bishops need to get in the face of the Catholic, pop, popular, Catholic politicians like many, like Pelosi, Biden, all these out yes. there, the Kennedy family. You've got to put them on the spot and make them stand tall or denounce the Catholic Church, period. <laughs> Speaking of silence, we only have a minute left. The silence of the bishops when Rome came down with the pronouncement to keep quiet. What do you? What's your reaction? Well, it, it's sad because until we get some bishops to stand up, the laity's on their own. Mm-hmm. If one good, but see, the bishops have to fear God more than they fear man. Mm-hmm. They have to fear offending God more than they fear offending their fellow bishops mm-hmm. or the Pope. Amen. What a perfect answer. Uh, so with that, we have a few minutes, few seconds left. We're gonna we're talking with Stephen Brady, founder of Roman Catholic Faithful, and his wife Joe, who's awfully quiet here. We're gonna try to get you to say something, Joe, and our studio audience here. So we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more about the um, the role of the bishops in all of this, and how we how RFC, why you started RFC. And the Rosary Lariat by Gary, made by Gorelli of Italy, is a new rosary <laughs> created to further inspire this devotion. To further support this rosary, a discount card with terrific restaurants has been made available at rosarylariat.com. The proceeds from the cards will help continue growing this beautiful line of rosaries. More information can be found at rosarylariat.com. That's R-O-S-A-R-Y-L-A-R-I-A-T.com. The Holy Family Catholic Books store is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MAT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I I believe Catholic Radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way. And it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hi, and welcome back to Spotlight. We're talking with Stephen Brady, the founder of Roman Catholic Faithful. Um, you, you made a, a 
point before we stopped about that a good bishop um, will will not only fear God, but he he does he fear man more, and that's maybe the problem. He, he he's so politically correct to afraid uh, being afraid to offend his parishioners or his you know. So that's that's maybe a, a real concern here. Maybe b- the whole uh, politically correct movement not only has caught all of us up, but caught the bishop. The whole church is in it. Well, the one thing that that comes to mind is something again a priest told me because there's I don't want to disparage the priest. There's a lot of good holy priest Orthodox yes. priests yes. out there that have helped me tremendously and given me guidance and heard my confessions. One priest once told me, he said, while the, the, ch- the priest that abuses a child or has sex with a teenager or is just involved in sexual affairs with an adult, he's definitely sinful, he's definitely sick, he's definitely wrong, but he may not be evil because you don't know his mindset or his state of mind. He said the real evil comes from the enabler, the bishop, or the hierarchy that allows it to go on and doesn't discourage it by strong action and words. And that's what we've got today. We've got what they, they make excuses, the bishops do in many cases, and I can name some here across the country in various dioceses, where an Orthodox priest for simply, or a bishop, there's been a case recently I was told, I believe in Kentucky, an Orthodox priest or bishop can speak up and he can be punished summarily without any any warrant, any warning, and uh, but yet you have so many homosexual clergy that are allowed free reign, and they steal money. Excuses are made, oh, they just mismanagement or what have you. So I said, that's enabling the perpetrator. That's the real evil the priest told me, and it's got to stop. But while, while we're touching on that, I want to let folks know that in many cases, the homosexual is the victim himself. And a lot of folks out there, because when I was growing up as a kid, you didn't discuss that. It mm-hmm. wasn't discussed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks out there, the laity, they don't know much about homosexuality at all except what they maybe hear in the press. And in the movies today, it's made out to look something sweet and loving. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what actually goes on and what it involves. I recently, not recently, but in the past, I've had dinner and I've interviewed several of these homosexual individuals. And one man in particular, it was so shocking, it was so sad, because he was in his late 20s, but he was like a child, his innocence. And we were at dinner with him and his, his, the love of his life, he claimed the individual was. He met the day before at a tavern. And the individual, he was talking about going to Mass. This, this young man was involved in a sexual relationship with a bishop I was investigating in Springfield. And in the same sentence, he'd talk about going to Mass or the Rosary or his boyfriend or the relationship with the bishop. Now, he is a victim. The guilt, the, the, the amount of guilt that he has, the good Lord will decide that. That's judging his conscience. And I, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. But there again, how can you expect the homosexual community, the young men that were brought there for one reason or another, to stand up straight and find God? When so many bishops and priests yes. are protecting the lifestyle or condoning it with their silence. And speaking about what we can do, I want to I tell you about a young lady, Sandra L. Raji. She carried around, when I met her, she called me one night in the middle of the night. My wife allowed me to go pick her up and interview her. 
She lived on the street a lot of times with these kids. She was in the victim of abuse herself at a young age, not by clergy, but just in life in general. Sandra was. And it was she was a fallen away Catholic and one time she had me I drove her to see a priest and I looked over at her and she was crying and I said, What's wrong? And she said, Mr. Brady, are you using me? I said, In a sense, Sandra, I guess I am. I said, she carried around with her a book called The Imitation of Christ. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she had it with her all the time to read in it. She had a, a brother that died of AIDS. And uh, God bless her. But on the street, she knew all the kids. She called me. She gave me the name of about six young men who were seeing this one bishop in Springfield. Oh. And sexually. And the the beauty of it, if I can dare use that word in the same sentence, was several of the boys, the young men, were in different Illinois prisons where they couldn't communicate with one another. That meant if I got the same story from each young man, I knew I had the truth because they couldn't share. I could find out what ATM the bishop used, what he drank, where he went to, how you got up to his apartment, how he paid you, description of his anatomy, so on and so forth. And she gave me all these names (coughs) and it made it possible for me to go forward. They all said, well, Brady, you'll not get anything done. Even Cardinal George told me you wouldn't get the job done. The Vatican won't deal through the hierarchy. And I said, your eminence, you mean rather than face embarrassment, you'll leave him in power to destroy more souls? And he wouldn't answer me. But we persevered with the help of my attorney, our webmaster, my wife's patience and understanding, and we pushed forward. We got the job done, and we got rid of him. But this one lady, Sandra L. Raji, I told her the other day, she called me on the phone. I said she could be a saint someday. Mm -hmm. Here's a nobody. I don't mean that literally. Mm -hmm. Just by everybody's standard, everybody would look down at this great woman. She came forward. (coughs) She heard everybody calling me a liar in the news and on the radio and the TV and about Bishop Ryan. She said, Mr. Brady, I knew you weren't a liar, and I had to come talk to you. She came forward. She gave me all this information, the names and what she could about all these individuals. She knew from hanging out on the street, these kids, and she led me to them, which courage. So many people today, so many laity, they know where the skeletons are buried. They know some secrets. They know some things. They think it's none of their business. No, it is your business. You let me know, and I'll dig into it. I don't throw names out there and disparage people unnecessarily. No, what you're doing is is a, a great service to us and to the church, but I want to bring up something that Deacon Frank brought up, or ask you to bring it up, Frank, about the laity. Well, yes, I, because so much emphasis is placed on the abuse of minors, and that's where all the publicity gets and where bishops like to focus, you lose sight of the, the homosexual issue in the church at all levels. So if that being the case, then I think you're going to find the average Catholic person, especially even the average faithful Catholic person, going to be pretty much ignorant of the extent to which this is a real problem. And therefore, there's a certain built-in helplessness, even when they are willing to try to do something. We all pray because we're, we're smart enough to know prayer and grace will win out in the end, but you gotta act. You right. cannot be passive. So I would ask you, Stephen, do you see any kind of emerging action by lay people that are beginning to uh, demand answers, expose some of this, uh, propose change, or are we so early stages 
that there's it's it's not big enough to well i'm i'm hearing from a lot of folks i'm hearing from a lot of folks that want something to happen they come to me with ideas basically some of the very things we're discussing and that's one of the reasons I set up a conference in Chicago, well, in Mundelein at the Doubletree for January 5th to explain to folks what they can do and how they can help. And believe me, it just takes one person with the right information. Right now, the problem is the, if the bishops did their job, we wouldn't need to do anything. Right. We'd leave it in their hands. They'd right. clean house like they should be doing. So therefore, we've got to look at the leadership. We've got to look at the hierarchy. To be quite honest with you, I'm working on a situation right now, some information that's come to me recently, and if it proves out to be true, if we can verify the information that's coming into us, and we're going to do that before we ever go public, it's going to rock the world all the way back to the Vatican. I mean, this is the kind of information we get, but... We're taking great pains to make sure we have the truth. But back to the question, we need to go after the bishops. If the bishop will not act, there's something in his life that's preventing him from acting. Mm -hmm. Either possibly he's corrupt his own way, in some, whether it's sexually, financially. So that's why a lot of times what we do at Roman Catholic Faith, we dig into the background of the bishop, all legally, all using public records in the court systems, nothing illegal. God's law first, then man's law, and then we, uh, we find out what's in their background, what's happening. For example, if a bishop's acting up or not acting as he should, we'll try to find every individual he went to the seminary with and talk to them. What went on in the seminary? What can you tell us about the young priest before he became a bishop? We're trying to do that with every bishop, and we're not picking him out independently, but just Cardinal Supic, for example, not accusing him of anything at this point. I'm just saying we want to know why he's not taking action against the priest who are admitted homosexuals are causing problems within the diocese. So we start, we start, I've already written some of his family members in Omaha, and I'm trying to, I may even go to Omaha and hold a meeting there trying to find out how he grew up, the people he was connected to, what in his life, his past, would make him so less responsive to these issues where the bishop has the authority, has the power. Cardinal Supic has proven he can take action. Look what he did to Father Kelchek for nothing, for a simple... You know, his well, he said it was for some other violation, but some of his parishioners burnt a gay flag that was found in the parish. Apparently, Father thought he was doing something that was orthodox, but he was pulled out of there that quick that day. Mm -hmm. If you can take that decisive action against an orthodox priest for that kind of infraction, what's wrong with some of these other homosexual clergy that are doing much in the eyes of God, they're much worse, much more sacrilegious, mm -hmm. if you will. For example, I've got information on masses at the cathedral, on one in particular where the, the cardinal and the mayor were given Holy Communion. I mean, that's a sacrilege. You've got to ask yourself, why on earth would a bishop do such a thing or allow that to go on? But that's going on all across the country in many dioceses, and that's something we've got to deal with. So the laity, they have to start asking questions. They have to judge the actions. They have to look at their priest and their pastor and their bishop and say, do they fear God? Are they condemning mortal sin? When's the last time you heard a sermon on the existence of hell or mortal sin that will put you on a path to hell or the need for confession? What amazes me when you go to church every day and you've got teenage kids handing out communion, you've got every walk of life handing out communion, 
everybody going to communion, but you go to confession on Saturday and you see two people there. You know, I, I guess everybody's a saint mm-hmm. is the only thing so I can understand. So, Stephen, I, I, I understand your de- 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 detective-like work and your, your search for the truth and all and to uncover all this, but as laity, you said we can question, we can certainly pray, um, what else can we do as laity? I had dinner with someone the other night, and honestly, she's a good Catholic. She said, I'm like a deer in the headlights. I don't know what to do. Well, if they come to this conference, I'll give them a little more of an idea. But that being said, to be a little bit self-serving, they can send us a donation, no matter how small. Well, that would be, let's talk about that. We'll use it to, for the investigation. We have no payroll, so sure. I mean, everything goes to the All work right, let's we do. All right, let's uh, get some details down here. So the conference is January 5th. At the Doubletree by Hilton in Mundelein. Okay, what time? It's Saturday, Saturday, January 5th. It starts at 5. At 5 p.m. And it'll go on till 10 or whenever we get finished. All right. And uh, uh, Church Militant has expressed an interest in being there. I'm not sure they will be. <coughs> They're very busy. But we've had a lot of folks uh, express an interest. There's no fee to get in. Anybody can come in, mm-hmm. and anybody can participate. We just ask that you be proper and respectful. And... Uh, we may ask folks when they're there to help contribute to defray the cross, yeah. cross, but we trust in the good Lord when it comes to money. People usually contribute. But there I'm going to speak for several hours on the homosexual issue within the church and the best, how we address it and what we need to do. We need information because the only thing that seems to work right now is public exposure of the corruption. Yes. And the corruption I'm talking about stuff that isn't politically correct in the catholic eye in the god's eye the corruption is corrupting the faith not following god's law and the evil of enabling sex abuse homosexual activity when i was a young man growing up you didn't discuss homosexuality to even think of homosexuality in any way to be condoned or tolerated. Mm. In fact, I believe it was Cardinal Supich at the Bishop's Conference, because Michael Voris said he tried to question him and get an answer. Your Cardinal suggested that he would have a problem denying communion to two homosexual couples living together. Mm-hmm. What that's saying is, I'll commit a sacrilege, and I don't care if you're going to hell, in my opinion, because homosexual activity is a mortal sin. Just like if I cheated on my wife, God forbid, that's a mortal sin. I'm not pointing, but I'm just going where where most of the problem is right now. So for the cardinal to make such a statement suggesting he might give communion to two people living in sin like that knowingly, that is such an abomination in my mind. What kind of message does that send to the young people? So we need to call the cardinal on it. We need to be outside the residence protesting. Yes. We need to make a presence known. People attend my conference if they have contact with the newspapers, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, what have you, the radio. Have them come if they want yes, to. Yes. I have no problem taking hard questions and taking the heat. I can give it out as much as I can take And to it. get in touch with you, Stephen, what would you recommend? Well, uh, our address is P.O. Box 251, Petersburg, Illinois, 62675. Or your email? My email is sbrady, S-B-R-A-D-Y, at rcf.org. Then go on to our website, rcf.org. 
And you can you can also uh, donate there through PayPal if you'd like. Roman Catholic Faithful. Yes. That's very helpful. Um, there's a book that uh, I someone gave me uh, some months ago, In Sinu Jesu. It was written by a Benedictine monk who our Lord gave um, all these messages to. And it was for priests. It's prayers for priests. And he says the most powerful prayer is for us to go in front of the Blessed Sacrament and pl- pray for priests. I just, I don't want to, I want to end on a high note and on a hopeful note that that's maybe our call as part, partly our call as laity, right? Well, I could tell you from firsthand experience with the priest, they're so down and out because they see this homosexuality and theft going around them and nothing being done. They feel like they've given their life up for nothing almost. Yes, yes. So they haven't, and we honor and love them, and we have to end now, and we thank you so much for coming, Stephen. Thank you for the opportunity. I thank you very much. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org.